NBC Monitor News on the Hour. Here's William Litauer. Several South Vietnamese cities have come under enemy attack for the first time since the United States halted the bombing of North Vietnam last October. Pentagon spokesman, Marine Lieutenant Colonel Martin Riley, gave this terse report. It has uh, just been learned here that an attack of some sort has taken place on Saigon, Republic of Vietnam. There are no details available, however, at this time. Pentagon spokesman, Marine Lieutenant Colonel Martin Riley. Initial reports indicate the attacks were launched against not only Saigon, but also against Da Nang, Chulai, some deep-water Navy installations, and the American base at Binh Hoa near Saigon. A small ground assault was also staged at Binh Hoa. Fire broke out there in an oil storage area. There are no reports of injury so far. Earlier today, enemy troops attacked two U.S. bases during the final hours of the Viet Cong-proclaimed Tet ceasefire. 249 enemy troops were reported killed in the two ground assaults and seven other engagements. Secretary of the Interior Walter Hickel has ordered that pumping of oil be temporarily resumed in the Santa Barbara, California Channel. Hickel said the order to resume pumping was made in the interest of safety and should not be interpreted as a resumption of general drilling. He said the temporary pumping was ordered on the advice of scientists and engineers to relieve pressure in existing oil seep. Beaches were fouled and birds killed earlier this month when thousands of gallons of oil leaked into the Santa Barbara Channel near an offshore drilling platform. The chairman of the Securities and Exchange Commission has suddenly resigned. President Nixon has named a former Idaho congressman to succeed him. White House aides would say only that Chairman Manuel Cohen resigned this week for personal reasons. Former Congressman Hammer Budge, the new chairman, has been a member of the five-man commission since 1964. The government of Czechoslovakia has given new indications of its defiant attitude toward the Soviet military occupation. A report from Peter Hoffer, NBC News, Prague. Czechoslovakia's government has refused permission to the Soviet forces to construct large apartment buildings for servicemen and dependents. When the Soviet building plans were first announced, a wave of concern swept Czechoslovakia that the Russians were going to stay on forever. An official announcement made today in Prague said that Soviet building plans in several Czechoslovakian cities would not be carried out. The Czechoslovakian authorities also will not vacate any more private homes and apartments for use by the Russians now housed in former Czechoslovakian army barracks. Peter Hoffer, NBC News, Vienna. The government of West Germany has rejected the Soviet protest against its plans to hold presidential elections in West Berlin March 5th. Details of the reply were not made public, but a spokesman in Bonn described it as a well-balanced and moderate paper. There has been no reply as yet to an East German offer to allow West Germans to make Easter visits behind the Berlin Wall if the planned election site is switched from West Berlin. Britain and France are engaged in a new diplomatic dispute on the eve of President Nixon's European tour. The dispute broke out over reports President de Gaulle suggested broad revisions in NATO and the European common market. French Foreign Minister Debray has deplored what he terms the sensational character of the reports and denied President de Gaulle made any proposal to dissolve the common market. Britain announced its ambassador to France is returning home for consultations and pointedly pledged anew its friendship to the United States and its loyalty to the North Atlantic Alliance. U.S. Chief Justice Earl Warren spoke optimistically today of progress in race relations. Warren addressed the winter convocation of George Washington University in Washington. 
I am sure that a nation which was dedicated to the principle that all hearts are, all men are created equal and as such are entitled to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness 193 years ago can, if it will, wipe out the prejudice and discrimination that make large segments of our people less than first-class citizens. I am sure that if we can take a heart from, from one human body and place it in, a, in another human body, that we can also soften those hearts when they are in their original being. Chief Justice Earl Warren. A Nigerian government spokesman complained today that French weapons have given rebel Biafra vastly increased firepower and stalled for five months federal government attempts to crush the secession. The government official disclosed there have been repeated exchanges between Lagos and Paris over the French support for Biafra, but he refused to reveal the French response. At the same time, neutral sources report Belgian and British mercenaries are disrupting relief supplies to Biafra. In the pay of the Nigerian government, the mercenaries are said to be holding up about half of the international relief flights to Biafra by threatening to shoot down the planes. Once again, the hour's top story, communists launch mortar or rocket attacks on Saigon, Chulai, and Da Nang. William Littauer, NBC News reporting. Listen again on the hour for NBC Monitor News. This is Monitor 69 for the 22nd of February, George Washington's birthday. So right now, here's some music to chop down a cherry tree, tree by, three, four, five. Derek and Ray with Promises, Promises. Stay a while now, here's monitor. 
Right. Monitor on NBC, and my name is Joe Garagiola. And it's February 22nd, George Washington's birthday. And, you know, in a couple of minutes, we'll be talking with someone at the Mount Vernon Mansion, which is was Washington's family home in Virginia. But first, here's Dean Martin with Monitor Music, his latest Gentle on My Mind. The tin can I pretend I hold it to my breast and find That you're waving from the back road by the river Of my memory, ever smiling, ever gentle on my mind Miller High Life theme. A reminder that Miller makes it right. Always hearty, robust, deep down good. Always the champagne of bottled beer. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee. It's George Washington's birthday, and in honor of the occasion, we got in touch with Mr. Charles C. Wall, Director General of the Mount Vernon Mansion in Virginia, and he's standing by on Monitor's open line. How are you, Mr. Wall? Very well, thank you, Joe. Is anything special happening at Mount Vernon today? This is a very busy day with us. This is our annual open house, so to speak, um, and um, we've already had several thousand visitors. Do they have to pay to come in today since it's George Washington's birthday, or did no, Mr. Washington leave a message that it's on the house? Open house means free day. Free day? Right. Well, how about it from the official standpoint? Anybody from the White House come down? Uh, General O'Malley uh, came and uh, placed a wreath for the president. We uh, are given to understand that if the president weren't so busy packing his bag and his briefcase, he would have been here himself. Well, he, he's got busy time, so I'm sure we all understand well, why he couldn't get there. What's the weather like there? The weather is um, overcast and quite chilly. Uh, not a good day for standing around. But people are standing very patiently here in line outside my office window waiting to go in the mansion. Of course, now, though, it's uh, you got modern heat. How about in the days of Mr. George Washington? What was it like as far as heating? George Washington, uh, during most of his life here, had uh, just the open fires. But in the last years, um, he um, had a stove or two, um, which he had brought back from Philadelphia when he retired. Open fire? You don't think that's why he got to learn how to chop down cherry trees early, do you, to get some wood? It took a lot of wood for all the fireplaces <laughs> in the house, yes. Mr. Wall, just to straighten something out for me, how about that legend of George Washington throwing a silver dollar over the... Uh, what is it, Rappahannock River? Well, I, I'm sorry to take that away from you, but uh, that evolved from a story um, told by his grand, his step-grandson, George Washington Park Custis. Um, uh, the young man wrote in his memoirs that George Washington threw a stone about the size of a dollar across the um, Rappahannock, there below his boyhood home, Fredericksburg, which was no superhuman achievement. It wasn't to throw it across the river, a stone? Uh, well, not the Rappahannock, just below Fredericksburg. It's a, quite a modest stream. I tell you, I've seen some baseball players the last couple of years uh, 
Couldn't throw a stone over the Rappahannock. Well, uh, it might depend on the spot you choose. In 1932, um, the Fredericksburg Chamber of Commerce um, uh, staged a spectacle. Uh, uh, they gave Christy Matheson um, a silver dollar, and he had no trouble throwing it across the river there uh, at the site of Washington's boyhood home. Well, I'll have to come down and show you how much trouble a fellow can have. Thank you for taking time out, Mr. Wall. Good to be with you. Good luck now. Thank you. We've been talking with Mr. Charles C. Wall, the Director General of the Mount Vernon Mansion. Since two out of three ladies agree, no salt salts like Morton salt salts, why don't we make it unanimous? Anyhow, one thing we can agree on unanimously, you're on the monitor beacon. Garagiola here for Monitor at 17 minutes after the hour. You know, tomorrow, President Nixon begins his eight-day tour of European capitals, and Monitor is reporting on many of the highlights and sidelights of the trip. And one thing I think we all take for granted is that the President will keep in touch with Washington and with the rest of the world. But how communications are maintained is something most of us don't know anything about. So here with some of the details, Herb Kaplow of NBC News. Whenever and wherever the president travels to Key Biscayne, Florida, or New Delhi, India, an Army Signal Corps team travels with him. Its mission, to provide virtually the same communications facility available to the president at the White House in Washington. On practically a moment's notice, Mr. Nixon will be able to communicate just about anywhere in the world on this coming trip to Europe. The Signal Corps sets up a switchboard wherever the president is. It sets up a radio station, too, feeding into the elaborate communication center in the Washington White House, 
where another patch can be made relaying the connection on to still another distant point. A similar arrangement is available for the so-called hotline, that teletype-like link whereby Mr. Nixon can quickly make contact with the Soviet leaders. Even when the president is en route in a car or helicopter, a signal corps man is nearby with the equipment to provide the president with his full communications capability. Also, of course, the presidential airplanes. They would be a delight to any amateur radio operator, outfitted as they are by the most advanced, sophisticated communications equipment. Sometimes, when the president travels abroad, Air Force communications planes are sent aloft to serve as standby in the event that they should be needed. But all sorts of redundant systems are present on the presidential planes themselves. So, however far off the president may be, he is only moments away from communicating almost anywhere in the world that he might need to. Herbert Kaplow, NBC News, reporting for Monitor. Shortly, we'll check up on what some of the American people are thinking about the presidential tour. But first, monitor music by the Duprees. Two different worlds. 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 We live in two different worlds.
In Berlin, left-wing students have announced that they plan to demonstrate during President Nixon's visit there. And here at home, students have positive opinions on the tour, too. As Monitor found in checking the reaction of students and faculty members, too, at Lincoln High School in Des Moines, Iowa. I'm against the trip Mr. Nixon is taking because I feel that our country in the past few years have stuck out our necks too many times as it is. I'm for his trip because I think that our relations over there need strengthened, and I think that President Nixon going personally will give our ambassadors over there a shot of confidence in the arm. Well, I'm in favor of the trip. I think it's a good idea if that Berlin side jaunt makes me a little nervous right at the moment. There are a few nervous questions, I think, that had better be answered on a face-to-face -face basis and as soon as possible. All right, I'm against the trip because I feel President Nixon is responsible to the American public. We have American problems that should dominate the thinking of a current president. I would rather these be worked upon first, and I'm willing to let the other nations wonder just exactly what the United States is going to do. No, I'm against the trip. We have a good professional diplomatic corps in Europe. If he does not trust their opinions, he could send Vice President Agnew. Right at this time, what I know about it, I would say that I'm very much in favor of it. We are living in an age when I think communication is most important, understanding of one another. Everyone feels as though sovereignty is most important, and I personally feel that all of us, somewhere, somehow, have to relinquish a little of our sovereignty for the sake of world peace. Reaction to the President's European trip from present and future voters in Des Moines. We are wandering, we are wandering Like the shadows of the sun Never quite the same at evening As when morning had begun Tasting wine from many vineyards Testing truth from many shores Looking into funhouse mirrors Looking out of prison doors Changing, changing, ever changing Like the waves upon the sands Reaching in to find a meaning Reaching out to touch a Searching, we are searching in the tea leaves on a spoon, placing palms upon a table, charting phases of the moon, tearing cobwebs from illusions, spinning new ones in their place, finding solace in the chalice. For forgiveness in a face Changing, changing, ever changing Like the waves upon the sand Reaching in to find a meaning Reaching out to touch a hand We are drifting Through the pathways of the stars 
seeking answers from the rainbows in refrigerated jars, staring voiceless at the scene as the jasmine candles burn, trading gold dust in for mushrooms, no deposit, no Changing, changing, the big voice of Big Ed Ames. No doubt about it. Your Plymouth dealer tells it like it is when competition can't even write it down. Did you know Plymouth Fury comes with class exclusives like torsion bar suspension for better handling, single-unit welded body for strength, seven-step dip and spray treatment for rust-proofing? Competition offers none of these features. Did you know Fury 3 has the biggest brakes, the biggest trunk, and the most rear seat room in its class? Precision, easy-to-read gauges instead of warning lights. Widest door opening for easy entry and exit. Even a standard electric clock. Get the straight story. See your Plymouth dealer. When it comes to a great car buy, he tells it like it is. And now, during the great Plymouth sale, you can buy a new Fury with reduced prices on such popular options as vinyl roof, all vinyl interior, and many others. Drop by your Plymouth dealers today. He tells it like it is. California Soul, Gerald Wilson and his orchestra on Monitor 69, heard nationwide. In Bismarck, North Dakota, your monitor station is KFYR. We'll be back shortly. My name is Joe Garagio. This is Monitor 69 with music by Spanky and our gang, without rhyme or reason.
Sounds of silence, the silence broken by the sounds of our times. And I'm your host, Joe Garagiola. Last week, an advance party of 70 people flew to Europe to cover the six cities that will be visited by the Nixon party to set up the accommodations, communications, and other details of the trip. This weekend, Monitor is reporting on some of these plans, as well as reaction to the mission overseas and in this country. Right now, though, we have music by Jackie Trent. Here's her latest, Hollywood. Beneath a Californian sunshine, there's a place you gotta see. The smell of sweet success is the only thing that you can get for free. Tonight, his chauffeur-driven wheels are standing by. If he says goodbye. Since this is the weekend of Washington's birthday, usually associated with our American heritage of patriotism, we wondered how our student generation feels about the subject. Monitor's college poll checked into current attitudes among college students toward devotion to country. Here is NBC Newsman Bill Ryan with some of their reaction. The college poll question was this. Many people feel that patriotism is dead among the younger generation. Do you love your country? Not right or wrong, but do you love your country? The college poll answers from 87 campuses produced this result. 88.9% said yes. 9.8% said no. And a little more than 1% of those questioned were not sure or did not answer. So almost 90% of the current college population would appear to be patriotic, since by definition, patriotism is love of or devotion to one's country. Of that almost 10% who said they were not patriotic, did not love their country, most of that was based on dissatisfaction with national policies, mainly Vietnam and the draft.
But there were some very interesting answers from the yeses. An Ohio State sophomore said, of course I love my country. Only in this country can you object and still live as a free man. That may surprise a great many other countries, but it is patriotic. A Caltech freshman said, of course I love my country so long as I can voice my feelings. An NYU major in political science hit to all fields with this remark. The draft is terrible, the whole Vietnam program is a mess, but I'm no commie. On-campus patriotism is about as universal as it is prevalent. There is no break in the figures when the students are grouped by race, religion, or age. For instance, about 85% of the black students interviewed said they loved the U.S., their country. The vast majority of today's college students say they love their country. They are quick to criticize, and most indicate that is one of the reasons they do love it, because they can criticize and perhaps change it. Bill Ryan, NBC News, for Monitor. You know, it's a relief to know that so many of the young kids today are for something. Maybe it's only the ones who are against everything that make the headlines. Good report. Joe Garagiola here. You're on the Monitor Beacon. How about lunch? Can't, Nancy. Oh, why? Oh, the boss man's been a tyrant all morning. Oh, I've got the darndest headache. What Katie needs is anison. In minutes, anison relieves headache, pain, and so it's nervous tension. So you're back into action. You see, anison contains twice as much of the pain reliever doctors recommend most for headaches. Yes, twice as much as any other leading extra-strength tablet. Good thing to remember, Nancy. Uh-huh. Anison tablets for nervous tension headaches. Here's an important message for hemorrhoid sufferers. Several outstanding doctors report a special medication called Preparation H gives prompt temporary relief from pain and actually shrinks hemorrhoids except in severe or persistent cases. Yes, in most cases, Preparation H relieves painful discomfort as it gently causes reduction. Millions of people buy Preparation H each year to obtain relief. Remember, for best results, follow directions. Preparation H. Galveston, Galveston, oh Galveston, 
Glenn Campbell's latest, Galveston. This is Monitor, and I'm Joe Garagio. You know, we've heard how people are reacting to President Nixon's European trip, both at home and abroad. Now we hear the thoughts of a gentleman from Minnesota, former Vice President Hubert Humphrey, who was interviewed for Monitor by Robert Summer of station KSTP in Minneapolis. Former Vice President Humphrey has returned home to the Twin Cities to begin his teaching chores at the University of Minnesota and McAllister College. Sunday night, he starts things off with a keynote speech at a five-day symposium on urban affairs at the St. Paul College. We asked the former vice president, what can President Nixon do to strengthen NATO that hasn't already been done? Well, it's always good for a new president or uh, when there is a change of administration. A little bit too early for President Nixon to have that meeting. However, it is very good for him to consult with our allies so that they do not feel that we bypass them before any meeting takes place with the leaders of the Soviet Union. And I think what Mr. Nixon is doing, or what President Nixon is doing, is to uh, uh, tidy things up to be sure that uh, the relationships amongst the Allies are good, and at least that there's a, an understanding of our point of view and what our uh, uh, plans may be. And then from there, he may uh, find it uh, possible or desirable to have an, a meeting with Soviet officials. That, of course, is something for the president to determine in his own right. We also asked the former vice president about recent reports out of Paris from sources close to President de Gaulle that pressure will be placed on the U.S. dollar to achieve either a Vietnam settlement or an adjustment in the gold pricing system. Well, I don't claim to be any expert on uh, international monetary policy, but I do not think that President de Gaulle is in any position to threaten the dollar. And as a matter of fact, only recently, the United States of America bailed out the franc. Uh... That maybe would not in any way impede uh, President de Gaulle uh, to pursue a policy that he might have in mind. But the French are not in such an enviable position any longer. 
The dollar is the, still the world's strongest currency, uh, that and the Deutschmark. And I don't believe that you're going to uh, uh, see any... Uh, I don't believe the French have the capability of putting that kind of pressure on us. Former Vice President Humphrey arrived back in the Twin Cities by way of an Air Force presidential plane, saying that President Nixon told him he didn't want him returning home the way he did after his defeat to President Kennedy in 1960, that is, by way of commercial flight and by taxi cab. Robert Summer, KSDP News, Minneapolis, St. Paul. Abraham, Martin, and John. Al Hurt, the orchestra and chorus. Here's a monitor tip for the home handyman. Squeaking floors can be helped without the use of wedges, screws, or special nails. 
Just dust a small amount of talcum powder into the crack where the two floorboards rub together. And this will silence the squeak for quite a long time. And here's another handy tip for the homeowner. For less than $4, you can own a whole tool kit and just one tool. It's a vice grip locking wrench that really looks like a pair of pliers with a bolt in its right leg. Vice grip is the handyman's best friend, and it saves the day for the man that's not so handy, too. Ever try to move the pin on a door hinge? Vice grip does the job quick and easy. It's a super pliers. Tough screwdriver jobs? Nothing to it. Just lock a vice grip to the shank of the screwdriver for added leverage. It's a wrench that clamps on with a ton grip and yet opens with the flick of a finger. Get several vice grips at tool counters everywhere for the home, car, boat, and workshop. Vice grip, the handiest tool you can own. It's priced below $4. Now, monitor sports. Down through the years, Bing Crosby has donated more than $2 million to charity through the operation of his annual Pro-Am Golf Tournament. This week, for his many contributions to the game, Bing was honored in New York. Monitor sports editor Len Dillon has the story. Bing Crosby, congratulations on winning the Metropolitan Golf Riders Golden Tee Award. Thank you, Len, thank you. I was, uh, well, really, it's kind of paradoxical that I should get an award from them because uh, the inscription read, the uh, fellow who's done the most for golf, and I think it should be re-edited to read the guy for whom golf has done the most because what I've gotten out of golf, I'll, I'll be forever indebted to the game and its followers. Being also honored by the writers was Arnold Palmer. Yeah, he was on the dais that night. And Arnie says the annual Pro-Am tournament, yours, mm -hmm. should be changed from January to the fall because of the weather. Well, the weather can be grim. And then we've had four days of shirt-sleeve weather. It's a gamble. Anytime you're playing a Lynx, which is near the seaside, that's the gamble you take that time of the year. But the area is so colorful, uh, the Monterey Peninsula, those three great golf courses and a beautiful background with the sea and the pines and the cypress trees. It would be a shame to ever move it from there. And there's no other dates that are really acceptable. In the fall, we run into football, both collegiate and professional, and uh, the television sponsor takes a dim view of, uh, of running into that kind of competition when he's putting on the television shows. The ideal dates for us are uh, the dates we've been using, the third week in January. Now, what about your own game of golf? Do you get well, much I was, of a chance? Uh, I play all the time. Uh, just recently, I've been afflicted with a little shoulder problem. Well, it's an old-time problem uh, of five or six years standing, and I've gone to all the orthopedists and the rheumatologists. Uh, they haven't been able to do anything for me. In August, I was down to a four handicap, and then the, it, it, I really had some episodes, painful episodes with the shoulder, so I, I hung up the cue, and I haven't played since August, but I hope to get back at it. Did you shoot a 71 once in Atlanta, someone mentioned to me? I think I've done that in Atlanta or Augusta? Uh, possibly Augusta. Oh, I think I did it at Augusta. It, uh, I've been as low as two handicap years years ago, and if you're two, you should shoot an occasional 71. Mm, but uh, since then, I've gone up to seven, six, five, and when I quit, I was four on a fairly uh, reasonable type of golf course. Not a challenging test, but a pretty good golf course, the Burlingame Country Club. What about Kathy and the children? Does uh, Kathy play golf or the children? Tennis. tennis Very good tennis. tennis player. In fact, she was... Uh, uh, played in little high school and college tournaments when she was in Texas. And uh, last year, at the club, she uh, won a turkey. We had a Christmas turkey. Uh, I told her that's a lot better than a cup. <laughs> Just keep winning them turkeys, dear. Bing, with your permission, we'll continue our chat on Monitor later today. Thanks ever so much. Len Dillon for Monitor Sports. <laughs> Thank you.
Monday, Monday, Herb Alpert and a Tijuana Brass. See, if you think population problems are exclusive with human beings, listen to this news item that carried a London dateline earlier today. A drug manufacturer over there announced a new product that will go on sale to the public next month. A birth control pill for dogs. That's progress, friends. Just one more thing that shouldn't happen to a dog. Anyhow, for what else is happening in the world, you stay tuned right now for NBC News on the Hour. I'm Joe Garagiola.